Hey, if you take your Bible or your, your device, I'm going to be in Second Timothy. I have one message after this one before we close out this letter that the Paul writes just before he dies uh, to Timothy, who's been kind of a protege to him, who he's kind of handing things off to. We've called this, this series or this study through Timothy Faithful Through Your Whole Journey. We'll see this morning, this is the place of all the places in the New Testament where you get a sense that somebody knows that their journey is coming to an end and has a sense of he's able to speak to his own faithfulness and then to our faithfulness. That's a huge, just going through these verses, your desire to live faithfully for Jesus is, is going to be huge. It's huge, moment by moment by moment. It's huge whether you're a teenager, because it's easy, it's easy to get caught up in the, hey, when I'm on my own, when I've got my life, when I'm an adult, I'll, you know, then I'll do, find what God wants me to do, I'll do it, I'll be faithful, I'll grow. You don't know. We don't know. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. We don't know when something interrupts life and it comes to an end. And faithfulness will be defined at that moment. You know, faithful people are just people that have been faithful moment by moment by moment, that have put themselves in situations where God had to be faithful, where they had to show up. It's not, it's not not blowing it, as we're going to see when we go through the passage. So maybe it's because we're getting near the end of the book. Maybe it's because you just see a little bit more intensity in, in these verses. It's just really impressed on me. Our need to embrace God, I want to be faithful. I want to be growing, and I want to be doing what it is you've, you've called me to do or what you're, call, what you're going to call me to do. So, so we're in chapter 4, and I'm, I want to pick up in verse 5. He's talked about to Timothy, you just keep preaching the word because people are not going to want to hear it, and so you're going to need to preach it all the more. And then he says in verse 5, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who, is, who have loved his appearing. A couple weeks ago in the, in the prayer service, I was sharing that just in the course of just my own quiet reading or to some point, the Lord impressed these two words on me that, that just were, were one of those times that just kind of bored pretty deep into my, into my spirit and just stayed with me. These two words, to seek and to stay. So that, that night in prayer, we just chased down seeking God. God, we just want to seek you. You know, if, if some people, if that had been interrupted or whatever, wherever that went, just to keep seeking him, not to be satisfied with what you've got so far or what he's done through you or what you know or what he's rescued you from, whatever that is, not to be satisfied yet. And then to stay, not stay put, but just to stay because we're losing people. The church is losing people who are just giving up on their faith or, or getting disheartened about faith or about where, where God is taking them or what their faith is demanding, we're losing people, just like this letter says we will. And just like so many other verses say at the end, when prophecies begin to get fulfilled and when it looks like Jesus is about to come, it's, gonna, it's going to get hard and it's going to get worse and there's going to be a great falling away. That's what Second Thessalonians talks about. And we are seeing that. And so these words, to seek God and to stay, just to stay and let your roots become deeper and deeper. Well, that flows right into this kind of a book. To be faithful, to stay with, with, on this path you've been put in, to stay with Jesus, to stay on the route of growing in him and finding out what does he want you to do next. Because I think it's easy for us to get into a place where this is what I do. God's opened up this ministry for me, this place to serve, it's what I do. And we constantly need to be saying, is this still what you want me to do? Or do you have something different for me? Or is there some other area you're trying to move me into? I, I don't want to just stay where I enjoy. I don't want to stay where I feel comfortable. I don't want to stay where I've been. I just want to stay where you want me to be. And so faithful to the whole journey. And Paul's journey, he was all over the place in cities, doing different kinds of ministries, bringing different people along with him. So he was, he was staying faithful along the way. Faithful is just made up of different pieces of being where you're supposed to be and of growing where you're supposed to grow and of learning what it is you're supposed to learn. You know, when a pastor 
Ted's burdens this week as we were talking, that if you, if you miss the first class, that you, you get in. If that's an area you struggle with, it's, okay, how does God really make a difference in my life? He does that through the Holy Spirit. It's a huge piece for you to be able to grasp and be able to know. So he says to Timothy in verse 5, after he talked about other people, he says, as for you, as for you. He doesn't really have to talk much to Timothy because Timothy's faithful. Some of you are, are hearing this series and, and it's an affirmation to you and maybe it should be an affirmation, but I always worry that some people are being affirmed that really shouldn't be affirmed yet. Some of us, we hear that and we think, I am being faithful. There's no huge sin in my life. I believe in Jesus as much as I've ever believed in him. But you're not being faithful to be changed day by day by day like God is trying to change you. You're not being faithful to grow in the word like he needs you to grow in the word so that you'll be able to have an answer or be able to, to speak into each other's lives or people outside of Jesus so far. Or, or you're not being faithful to, to serve in places where he's calling you because maybe because life gets cluttered up with other things you're involved in or because, because they're outside of your comfort zone, because maybe you're just preoccupied and you're not hearing what, what the Holy Spirit is saying into you. Timothy, he really doesn't need to be called to faithfulness. He is faithful. He, what he believes, what he's doing, he's a little timid. Paul deals with that in, in 1 Timothy. But he's been hugely invested in Paul has taken him on. He calls him his son. They've had that kind of relationship. He's probably the person that Paul is handing this thing off to, which is why he's going to say, as we'll see in a couple weeks, hurry up and get to me before the end. Get here before winter, he'll say to him. Timothy's been invested in by Paul. He's had huge advantages. He's had the advantage of growing up with a grandmother and a mother who understood the scriptures and understood what God's plan was for him and invested that in him and poured that into him. So he's got huge advantages. He's got a huge investment. And yet Paul keeps telling him, be faithful as for you. So Timothy needs to be able to humble himself to hear that, don't you think? What do you mean be faithful? What are you giving me all these things for, Paul? I mean, I'm here, I'm here in Ephesus. It's not easy and I'm, I haven't left yet. I'm still doing what I'm supposed to do. As for you, Timothy, can you receive this from me? Can you receive it from me in this moment? I was thinking when I saw that, that phrase, as for you, that's something we have to be able to, to give God, right? The ability to say to us, as for you. Like in the course of a message or in the course of a song, when you're singing that, for the Holy Spirit to show up and say, as for you. He says that here in, in verse 5, but looking back in chapter 3 and verse 10, you, however, said that to him again. You, Timothy, you, however, as you're doing that in, in chapter 2, in verse 1, same thing. You then, my child, he's zeroing in and, and Timothy's saying, you do that. Boy, before, before the Holy Spirit ever speaks to you, he has to have permission to say you, to say you. I, and I told some of you, there are times when I'll be meeting with, with somebody or I'll meet with a couple and I'll give them, you know, advice. I'll give them something God's put in my heart to say. And there's, there's sometimes, I can't remember what clearly one time, I was driving home from meeting with this couple and on the way home, I just sensed the Holy Spirit encouraged me. You know how you have a conversation with somebody and you say some things and then the Holy Spirit just encourages you. That was a good thing to say. It's just his kindness to us. So I remember the Holy Spirit saying, I could see the road I was on. He said to me, you had some really good things to say. And I said, hey, thank you. And my heart, I'm just saying, thank you. Thank you for giving them to me. I so appreciate that so much. He said, really good. I said, thank you. He said, you ought to try some of those things. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. I was encouraging this couple. Yeah, actually, as full disclosure, I was encouraging this couple. You know, it's really important to pray together as a couple. You know, if you guys do that, you connect at a heart level, you connect around what things that are important to God, you should pray together as a couple. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit just, well, you just tuck that one in his back pocket till I was in the car by myself. And uh, good words. Thank you. Really good point. Thanks so much. You ought to try that. Oh. <laughs> so full disclosure, yes, and I have since then. We've, been, we've prayed together. God has to have that ability to say, as for you, as for you, 
And you have to be able to filter down those things that sometimes get in the way of that. Like we're singing, you know, the Lord, you know, that you're my defense. Boy, I just had a burden to pray for those of you that you don't really see God as your defender. You see him more as your judge or more as the one who wants to hammer you. So it's huge that through the Psalms you understand now a lot of times he's saying, I want to be your defender. I want, I want to come alongside of you if you will allow me to come alongside of you. I have good things to speak into your life if you'll believe that and allow me to speak to you. And all of that starts with the ability to, to say, but as for you, the ability to say you, I'm talking to you here. So he, Timothy has given Paul that right and Paul gives him these things and he's grown and he's had opportunities to serve because he's been willing to hear from God. Things that affirm him, things that correct him, things that inform him. That's where our message starts. You know, am I dialed in? So God, just want to let you know, you have permission to speak to me. I want to hear what you have to say. Is that what they told little Samuel when he was five or six years old? Remember, and, and God kept calling him. He had no clue what was going on, so he kept going to the priest that oversaw him. And the priest finally realized after the third time what's going on and says, listen, when you hear that voice, just say, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. And then it went on from there. That's kind of how we have to start. Okay, God, you speak. I'm listening. You know, you're Lord. I'm your servant, and I'm listening. And so he tells him what it is he needs to stay faithful. What will make Timothy faithful? And all through the book, we've seen this, this thread of things. He says, as for you, always be sober-minded. Always have your mind under control. That's kind of what that word means. Always let your mind control your emotions and control your perceptions. That's going to be huge for Timothy because Paul's told him in just a few verses before this, it's going to get really hard. It's going to, people are going to turn away from listening to you and listen to whatever teacher they want to listen to. Uh, he said in chapter 3, as we get near the end, it's going to just get more difficult to be a follower of Jesus. People are going to just lose control and the wheels are going to start to come off. But as for you, you always be sober-minded. You always keep your mind under control. That's huge because... Timothy's mind might want to go off on some of these false teachers or his mind might want to take him and just get discouraged with what am I doing this for? What am I doing this for if people are going to keep walking away from the truth that I'm teaching? Or he might have turned that inwardly of what's the matter with me? Why can't I do this right? Or why I must not be a good teacher. I must not be as good as Paul. And so I should just quit. You be sober-minded. That means to rein in all of those thoughts there's a verse that I, that I find it's just become more and more huge uh, in the whole battle and understand, how do I keep moving forward? This is verse 2 Corinthians that says, to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That if you can reel in every thought, these false teachers, I need to just let them have it. Yeah, you need to reel that one in and see, you need to confront them, but I need to let my conversation be seasoned with grace. I need to speak the truth in love. I need to speak directly. I mean, the scriptures and the prophets, sometimes they're pretty bold. But I need to do that as the Holy Spirit's telling me to do that and not react, not just let my mind take that. Sometimes it, it comes in perceptions of how you perceive people or how you perceive the way people look at you or, or what people say to you, that that takes your mind in different directions. So, so I went into an unnamed store this week and uh, the two associates were talking and it, I think it was the only one in the store, and they're talking pretty loud. And uh, one of them saying to the other, you know, when you started working here, I really didn't like you. <laughs> okay, the conversation goes on. I find out she's the manager. She's telling the manager that when she started there, she didn't like her. So I kept looking, but I was dialed in. I was just listening. She, oh, really? I mean, what do you say to that? Oh, really? Yeah, in fact... Nobody really, nobody did. A lot of us felt that same way. <laughs> so I should go back this week and see if she's still there, you know. So, but they go on with this conversation, and she says, uh, she says, really, why was that? She said, well, you just kind of came in, and you started making all these changes. You didn't talk to any of us. You made all these changes. And so I said, well, that's what the, it must have been the girl over her, because they all were referring to their two women, and they're talking about their women. That put, she said, that's really, they wanted to change the policies. They want to change the way things were done. This is how she told me to come in and do it. Oh, well, I get that, but you just came in and did it all without talking to any of us. 
And she said, well, maybe I should have talked to you. She said, oh, no, we all like you now. Everybody really likes you now that we've gotten to know you now. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And I'm thinking to myself, well, I was getting ready for this. I remember that conversation. What is that? That's perception. That's when your mind goes, I don't like this person. I don't like what they're doing. They must not think we're doing a good job. They must not think we know what we're doing. That's a mind that's being allowed to run. That needs to be reeled in. Let me tell you, in a church family, the evil one loves to do that. Because if he can do that, it, it creates distance. You know? Some of you, you're not planning to go to the picnic because I'm not going to the picnic. Nobody's going to talk to me and I'm going to be by myself and hamburgers probably be dry and they're not going to be really good and the mayonnaise, it's 85 degrees, the mayonnaise is going to turn bad. We're all going to be sick. I'm not going to that. <laughs> you may want to reel that in, you know? But isn't that true? Your mind just goes to places. Did you ever hear the story about the guy that broke down on a country road and he saw this farmhouse and he thought, I'm just going to eat. He opened his trunk. He didn't have a jack in his car. So he said, I bet, the, I bet this guy in the house has got a jack. So as he's walking, he's just thinking to himself, man, it's really late. The guy's probably going to be upset that I'm waking him up in the night for a car jack. He doesn't even know me. He might be scared about me. What if he shoots me because I'm knocking at his door at night? He said, guy probably doesn't even want to help me. He's probably a jerk anyways. I mean, you know, what does he do? He gets people. So he knocks on the door. A guy opens the door. He says, I don't even want your stupid jack and walks away. <laughs> what is that? That's a mind that's been allowed to just go. Just go. Hey, in church family, you know, we get some newly married couples. Doesn't it happen in marriage? You know, you just, something is said or not said or it's done or not done and you just, your mind just starts going with, what's the meaning behind that? He says, be sober-minded. You know, keep your mind and your emotions, keep them under control, keep them reeled in. It's the only one he's going to say, always. Why? Because the way you think is going to direct all of your life. That's why the scriptures will say, so be transformed by a renewed mind. He's telling him, as for you, you be faithful. You be faithful by being sober-minded. You, you be faithful by enduring hardship. That's a thread that goes through, Timothy, that it's hard, but you stay faithful. It, I was going through because I thought, Paul, he keeps telling Timothy to be faithful, but he tells Timothy four times in this letter that he is suffering. And then he tells Timothy three times, you need to suffer. He says it here. He said in chapter 2 when he told them to be like a soldier, he said, endure hardship like a soldier. You know, so he's telling them, this is what I'm doing. This is what you need to do. You, it's going to be hard to follow Jesus. It's going to be hard because it's going to call things out of you that are uncomfortable. It's going to call things out of you that are beyond you, but you need to do that. It's going to be hard because people really don't want to hear that, that they're not good at the core, that they're not good, and that there's nothing they can do in themselves to please a holy God. They don't want to hear that there is one way to heaven. They don't want to hear Jesus' words that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. They don't want to hear that there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. They don't want to hear that, and so it's going to be hard. In fact, he says to Timothy, everyone that wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. Everyone. Did you? I follow... Uh, on Twitter, I follow Voice of the Martyrs and Open Doors, and this was, this was posted in, in Twitter from Open Doors USA. It says, what if the city turned off your water because you followed Jesus? And then it tells us about a brother and his wife in India that that's what the village did. They forbid them to use the village well. So the wife had to walk a mile to another village. So then it got really tough for them. The article goes on to say, and so they just moved. They moved to another village. And they grew in their faith. And as they grew in their faith, they kept praying and they felt like God was calling them to go back, go back to their home village because there's no witness there. And that's the heart of God, that there'd be a witness everywhere. So they were planning to go back to their village. Endure hardship. And when it gets hard, just continue to, to move through that. When it gets hard because of you, when it gets hard because of others, when what God is calling you to do gets hard, when it gets uncomfortable, you endure hardship. You, you just hang in there and you stay with it. In your life, because this is where I think as Americans we want to go. My life is hard. It's hard to raise my children to know Jesus. It's hard to, to be a Christian at work. It's hard to do those things. In life, certainly, but really Paul is writing to Timothy about when you're serving Jesus. 
He's writing to him as a servant. Endure hardship there. Not just, in, not just in your life. And he says, do the work of an evangelist. We meet Philip the evangelist in the book of Acts. who God just directed to go different places sharing Jesus. I was reading some of the places that said, do the work of an evangelist. That's a pretty fluid word. We're all called to do the work of an evangelist. We're all called just to share Jesus. We're called to share the plan that God has to rescue people from their sinfulness, from their life, and from eternity without God. You stay focused in everything you're doing, Timothy. You just continue to talk about Jesus because the pressure will be not to, but you just keep doing that work. With everything else that you're doing, you continue to do that. That's a good word for me to hear because most of my life, most of the things that I do is in the area of discipleship. It's mostly with, with those, of you, those of you who are saved and we're growing on, what's next? How do I do this? What can I do? It's important for me to hear, you do the work of an evangelist, but it's still on me to, to be sharing Jesus with people that don't know him. Maybe you're comfortable in, this is what I do for Jesus. I, I serve in kids' church, or I do Sunday lunch, or wherever it is. Wherever it is you're serving, wherever it is you love to serve, he's also telling you, you just continue to remember, you need to share Jesus. If you're going to be faithful, you need to continue to share Jesus. You share him your way, you know, you're going to share him differently than I do. I share Jesus differently than Pastor Ted does. He's, he has wired you, your personality, and your, your insights to, do, to share Jesus uniquely. You do it that way, but you share him. There's a, a, a book that would be helpful to those of you that just wrestle with, boy, I don't know how to share Jesus. I don't know how I would do it. I'm not, I'm not you. I'm not whoever. Uh, we've done it a couple times here as a small group. There was this book that Mark Middleberg wrote called Becoming a Contagious Christian. And it just goes through these different styles of witnessing, the way that God has wired people to witness. Some of you, you have a confrontational style of witnessing. You're, you're, there's a boldness to you. You're not rude. You're not, you know, you're not off the top. But you don't, mind just, you don't mind just starting the thing with, hey, I go to church. Do you go to church? No. You don't, you don't go to church? Or what, you do go to church? What church do you go to? Have you heard this? Have you ever been saved? I mean, some of you, you just jump right in. And, and some of us around you, we can be uncomfortable because that's not us and we're not really sure that works and we're not sure who that is, but that's you just being you. And others of you, God is wired just to serve people. You just do things for people. You do things for your neighbors. You find somebody at work that needs help and you have this servant approach to you and in the course of, in the course of serving, you have opportunities to talk about Jesus. And, and others of you, you just, you have a, a way to relate to people, and in relating to people, you get to ask them about themselves, and in the course of asking them about themselves, you get to talk to them about Jesus. There are different styles of sharing Jesus, and this just, if, if that's something you wrestle with, this is part of being faithful, is sharing Jesus. And so if that's something you wrestle with, this might be a, a helpful book to you, because we're called to do the work of an evangelist. Timothy, if you're going to stay faithful to the end, You've got to do the work of an evangelist. And then if you're going to be faithful to the end, you fulfill your ministry. You fulfill, you finish what God has called you to do. That's, that's, that's pretty kind. That's pretty gentle. I want you to see what he does, what Paul did in the letter to the Colossians. He writes to the church in Colossae. In the last two verses of the letter, and Paul says, they would read this letter out loud when it came to the church. they get everybody together, read this letter, and say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you've received in the Lord. I mean, just called him out at the end of the letter. See that you fulfill the ministry that you've received in the Lord. Can you imagine that? Imagine if God said that, your name in that. I'm trying to think who I could be really comfortable with here. Can you imagine if we're, we're reading this letter, we got this letter from the Apostle Paul, everybody's together, how's Paul doing? Well, he's in jail, but here's how it's going. He's suffering, he's writing to us. Oh yeah, and tell Bruce, see you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. And then he closes the letter out. Just Bruce. He's the only one. You know, that would be a little awkward. But that would be, that would be the push. See that you fulfill the ministry that you received in the Lord. Some of you, you're not involved in ministry. And so you have missed, somewhere along the line, you've missed what God has called you to do. You know, there are seasons for ministry. Uh, Cindy and I did, uh, we did junior high kids together when we were engaged and then in our first year of marriage. That was awesome. I loved it. 
I don't think I'd survive. I'm not sure anybody would survive if I tried to do that now. <laughs> Are you with me? They're just seasons. <laughs> You've done youth ministry. You might be with me. Yeah, they're just seasons for things, and that's fine. Sometimes, sometimes you, you're doing your season. So many of you have helped out in kids' church, and we really appreciate that. And then you just sense, you know, I, don't, I just don't think God wants me doing this anymore. That's okay. I want to say that's okay because sometimes we wrestle so much with guilt when God is just trying to move us on to the next thing. Like it's, like it's automatically sinful to let go of something for what's next. That's just the Holy Spirit doing his or- organizing and, 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 and assigning out. But some of you, you can't really look around your life and saying, this is the ministry that God has called me to do in this season. I've, I've talked to some of you and you've told me about burdens you have. Burdens that might be for a particular age group or it might be for a particular issue or it might be for a particular group of people. That burden, if it doesn't go away, usually is tied into God's calling on your life. I mean, this, these are kind of things that I'm assuming Pastor Ted's going to be hitting on. It's a spirit-controlled life. He's speaking to you, and he's guiding you into ministry. And he's telling Timothy, make sure you complete what God gives you to do. If we're in a series about being faithful through your whole journey, then you need to be fulfilling your ministry. What's the ministry that God has called you to now? I don't know. Then you you had better find out what that is so that you can be faithful on that day. That's where he goes because he speaks to him about being faithful and then he speaks to his own life. And I want you to see how confident Paul is as he moves toward his, his own life. Here's what I'm calling these verses where Paul speaks over himself that a confident end follows a faithful life. Look, look at these verses again, what Paul says about himself. He's telling Timothy, you need, to, you need to be these things. You need to always be sober-minded. You need to endure hardship. You, you need to do the work of an evangelist. You need to fulfill your ministry. Why? Because I am about to die. Because things are moving on and they're, and they're passing on. And we're in a season where we've watched God redirect lives of people in our church who had some pretty important roles. And so God isn't left us to say, oh man, God, now we got these holes. No, God already knows. I've got people that I'm, I'm trying to raise up to fill those spots. That's how he works. That's why he's saying, Timothy, this is what you need to do, be faithful, because I'm about to leave. And you need to be faithful so that God can do in you what needs to be done when I'm gone. But look at the confidence. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's a confident, that's a confident person knowing that he's about to die. He knows he's, he's going to be beheaded because in Jewish law, he can't, he can't be crucified. He's a Roman citizen. I mean, in Roman law, he's a Roman citizen. He can't be crucified. So he knows he's, he'll be beheaded. That's what's going to happen to him. But there is this confidence and that phrase, that is so well known. You know, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I've, I've kept the faith. I hear that all, all over the place. And, and it makes me uncomfortable. I see things like that posted on Facebook about people. It just makes me uncomfortable. Because you earn, you earn these verses. You earn them with faithfulness. They're not just an, they're not just an, an, an automatic that goes on. I want you to see, Paul's not saying, I didn't blow it. I didn't do some major sin and blow out my life. I, he's not saying that. He also isn't saying that, that I had more good days than I had bad days. What he is saying is, I believe that I have done everything God wanted me to do while I was here. You know, his, he's clear in a couple of his letters that God's calling in his life was to go to Gentiles, people that the Old Testament said you had to become Jewish. Now Gentiles just have to become Christians. They just have to become followers. So he takes that message around the world and plants churches in, in, first, play, in first, uh, first, what am I trying to think, first point places. He wanted to go where people hadn't been before, in pioneer situations. That was God's call in his life. He's saying, 
I believe I've done everything God wanted me to do. He's saying, I believe that there are people that are ready to take this on now. That's what he's meaning when he says, I have run the race, I've, I've, uh, I've fought the fight, I've run the race, I've uh, kept the faith. That's what he's saying. He's not saying, I still believe in Jesus. He's saying, I've kept the faith and I've done with it what the faith needs done with it. Passed, it's been passed on. So, you know, I certainly want to be able to say that if I know when the end is coming for me. But in order to say that, in order to have that kind of confidence, I have to be able to look at, okay, every season of my life, was I doing what God wanted me to do? Not just was I thinking about doing or was I praying about what God wanted me to do, was I doing what God wanted me to do? That's how you get a confidence like this at the, at the end of life. I go, to so many, I go to so many funerals and I lead so many funerals and you open up for discussion and I just get uncomfortable with how we talk about people that really didn't give their whole life to following and serving Jesus. But we kind of want to settle this thing. We want to settle this on them. Paul is, he knows he's at the end. This isn't like Philippians. In, in Philippians, he, the first time he's in prison, he has a sense, I'm going to get out of jail. For I know through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. He, you're at the, the end of the book of Acts when he's writing Phil, Philippians. He knows he's going to get out. He writes a letter about this time to a man called Philemon that's in our Bible. And he says to Philemon, get a bed ready, you know, get a room ready for me because I think I'm going to be seeing you soon. That's, that's not where things are now for him. Where things are now for him is that God is calling in something that Paul had said earlier in his life. In Acts 21, Paul answered them. They're all trying to stop him from going to Jerusalem because they have a prophetic word that in Jerusalem he's going to be handed over to the Gentiles. Paul answers, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I'm, not, I'm ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, you, you go to Word of Life camp, or you have maybe a special time in the Word, or maybe there's a particular service where you just say to God, God, I just want you to know I'm willing to, you know, fill in the blank. This is what I'm willing to do. Paul says, I'm willing not only to go to jail, but I'm willing to die in Jerusalem. And here's the moment where God takes that card and says, okay, that's, this is what you're going to do. You're going to die for me. You're going to bring me glory by dying for you. Boy, we've all been there. We've said, God, I just want you to know you can do whatever you want in my life that will bring you glory and help me know Jesus better. And then he does. And we're like, God, why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? One of the, one of the, guy, I mean, one of the guys in a pastor's group I'm in he and his wife, for the last 20 years, have just been through such significant physical issues. His wife struggled with chronic fatigue syndrome. And then uh, my friend Tim had some, it's got a fancy name, medical condition name. He could only talk by breathing in. And so over a process of six years, he totally lost his voice. So it's just at a whisper. He's a pastor. So he... I, you know, I try to do it once in a while. It just makes me want to cough or sneeze or, you know, how are you doing? Let's turn in our Bible to Second Timothy. Can you imagine that? That's how he lived. So for the last year, he's been in a prayer group and they've just been praying toward, toward healing. And uh, right around the spring, his wife, his chronic fatigue was so bad, she would bring a beach chair to church and lay down in it so that she could be at church. That's the only position she could be comfortable in. And in March, God just started to change that. And she's fully functional, fully functional. He went on a missions trip, and, uh, or he went to a conference. In the conference, and there were, it was all college-age students. He said there were like 75 or 80 college students that just at a moment, you know, I don't know if he had shared that, they gathered around him, and they just prayed that God would heal his voice. And he healed his voice. I mean, just those times, and he said to me, he was talking, and he said, his wife said to him that the closeness that she experienced with Jesus is gone. Because when she was going through those years of crying out to him, there was an intimacy that she doesn't need now. They have a friend that, that uh, had a melanoma and said to him, 
there are times she would almost ask God for that back, for the intimacy she knew in him in the suffering. So that whole thing that God, whatever you want to do so that I know Jesus more deeply, so that I can be more effective, sometimes God calls that in. I'm willing to die for him. And God is now calling this in. He says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. They don't know whether this is looking back at Old Testament where you bring every, uh, you'd bring sacrifices, but every morning and every evening in the temple there was a sacrifice and they would sacrifice a lamb and then they would have a drink offering that they would pour out. They don't know whether Paul's referring to that or the Romans at the end of a meal, they would pour, they would pour out a drink offering in honor of the gods. You know, at the end of their meals together, when they were together, they would pour that out. Paul says, he says in, in Philippians, it's kind of like this for me. He says in 2 Timothy, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. It's no if for him now. He says, in the time of my departure, that's at hand. That's why he's going to say to him, as we're going to see, you please hurry and get here. You know, he wants to see him one last time, wants to pass some things on, whatever that is. Would you please get here quickly because this is coming. I want to take a, a quick sidestep because his view of death as a follower of Jesus, as someone who's sure of their salvation, he gives you such a great picture. A couple of us were together last night, we were talking about death and are you scared of dying? Are you scared of that? You know, what's going to happen? And we we're talking about that great line Billy Graham had when they asked him, when, I think he was 99, they said, How are, you, are you afraid of death now that you're closer to it? He said, I'm not afraid of death. I'm a little nervous about the process. Isn't that a great line? I mean, we just, nobody's, nobody's really gone across and come back and told us, this is what it's like. You know, Pastor Ted had a great line last night. He said, you really, you end up going from life to better life, yeah. from being alive to being more alive. So that's, and it happens in a moment, Scripture tells us. But he says, the time of my departure, that's this really great word they would use. They would use that, if you're a farmer, you'd use that at the end of the day when you took the yoke off your, you know, off your animals and hung it up and you just set them free, that was that moment. If you'd been in, in jail and you'd been handcuffed, and they t when they take the handcuffs, they take the handcuffs off, that's this word. You're set free. Uh, when you'd been camping or you were part of a, you know, like the people of Israel in the Old Testament just moving along in their journey, when you pulled up your tent stakes and were ready to go on in the next place, that's this word. When you got on a boat, and they untied the ropes from the pier so the boat could go on, that's this word. That's what death is to a believer. It's just being set free to go on to the next journey, go on to the next place. For us, that's an incredible, you know, peaceful hope. You know, I was talking to Cindy, uh, and she's not in here, but this is good. This is good. I was talking to her because just, you know, the calling on my life, I've been with many people when they've died, more than that, I've been in the room with a lot of family and friends when people have died. And so I was talking to her. In fact, I mentioned it to her again recently. I said, listen, if we get to, if we get to be in a room when it's clear that I'm going to die, if people want to talk about the Red Sox or the Patriots, get them out of the room. Just get them out of the room. Because that's, if they say, you know, a person can hear, isn't that what they always say? That's the last thing you lose is hearing. I don't want to be you know, a couple, uh, an hour away from eternity talking about Tom Brady. <laughs> you, you talking about Tom Brady. Or you talking about what they have in the cafeteria. Or you talking about who you didn't get along with. I don't need to hear that the hour or two hours before I'm going to die. I was, I'm, I'm in the Psalms in my, in my own quiet time. I thought, that's what I had to do. I had to give Cindy a list of Psalms that I'd like people just to read and she could keep it in her wallet so that she's ready. You know, you wives, you know, she's never going to take that from me. Here, here's the list of verses I want you to read for when I'm dying. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm not, I don't have a preoccupation with death. I just, I want to have a good end. I want to have a good end. So, so there's our part for that. Paul says to him, here's my end and here's my confidence. And he has confidence because he's, he's got a faithful life because it's, it's gone on all along. It's gone in that way. He's, got, he's been faithful 
faithful, faithful. He's been routed and rerouted, and he's gone with that. He suffered, and he's kept going, and he's gone with that. So he's, he's been faithful. He's fought the fight, and it is a fight. It's a fight because we have a, an enemy who hates everything about us and everything about Jesus and everything that we're doing, and so there's a fight with that. In Romans, he tells you that you fight with yourself because you don't want to live for Jesus. You want to live for yourself. That's just wired into all of us, and so you have to fight yourself. You have to fight for the church. I mean, he says, make every effort to preserve the unity of the church. So we're fighting for the sake of the church. We're fighting for what God wants the church to do. I fought that fight, he says. Perfect tense. I fought it and it's done. He says, I've, you know, I've run the race. I finished my race. And he's going to talk about that in some places. Look what Proverbs says about that. When Solomon's telling his son how to live, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you and ponder the path of your feet and then your ways will be sure. Don't swerve right or left. Turn your foot away from evil. You stay focused. You stay running like a focused person. In Acts 20, Paul said, I don't, I don't account of my life as any value or as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Hey, what I want to do, I don't really count that as much as anything. This is my goal. I want to finish the course. I want to finish the ministry that God has given to me. Here is it, then a life, and he can say that he did that. Or one other verse. In Hebrews 12, he says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he's writing to people that are bailing. He says, Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seating at the right hand of the throne of God. I think I preached that the last Sunday at our church in Maine before I came here, that this was the race set before me. See how Hebrews says that? Let's run with endurance the race that's set before us. It's very individual. You get a race that God has put in front of you. Run that race. Don't wonder why your race is harder than somebody else's race. Don't wonder why your race is different. Just run the race that's put before you, the ministry that God has given you to do. Just do so that, so that you can come to an end and have confidence. Hey, I have had a race and I've run it. I've kept the faith. Do you notice all of them? The fight, the race, the faith. I've kept it. I've kept it. I've kept it pure. I've kept it true. That's what he writes to Timothy about. Because when he says in verse 8, henceforth, there is later for me a crown, you don't have henceforth unless you have, I have fought the fight, I have finished the course, I've kept the faith. Those things are connected. I was in, I was in a class in, in Bible college my last semester, and at Moody when I was there, if you had a 3.0 grade, grade point average as a senior, you had unlimited cuts. Unfortunately, I was so happy about being in Chicago my first semester, my first year, that I never recovered. And so I was just below a 3.0. Uh, and so my roommate, who was so disciplined and so helpful to me, he did. And so we had this one class, a pastoral seminar, with this, this guy who really wasn't a good teacher. He was a great pastor. And he, he infected us all with just, we were so excited to finally get to pastor. But... At the last class, you know, my roommate came to like four classes, the first one, the last one, and then two guest speakers that he really wanted to hear in this class. He did the homework. He'd give me the homework to bring in and turn in. But there were guys there that didn't show up. There were guys there that didn't do their homework. So Dr. Gallagher, last class, says, guys, you have all been great. You all get A's. And my roommate just turns around and looks at me with a smile. Are you kidding me? I showed up to class, you know, I only used my three cuts, showed up to class, I did all the homework, and I'm getting the same grade as, not so much my roommate, at least he did the work, as other guys I knew didn't do the work, I'm getting the same grade, are you kidding me? But I think that's how a lot of people think heaven is going to be, or, or the judgment seat of Jesus is going to be. Listen, you've been great, you all get A's, everybody gets a gold star, everybody gets this gold moment. But that's not how it works. That's not how it's going to work. That's one of my burdens in going through this, 
is that I want you to have a confident end. I want to have a confident end. I certainly want to have a confident end. But I want you to have a confident end. You know how when you go to somebody's graduation, just that pride that swells up in you, the closest they are to you, a family or friend, you're just so proud for them. You're almost, it's almost like you've done something with them. You're just so glad. That's how I want to be at your judgment. I want, you, I want you to have that kind of confident end because not everybody will. It says in John, and now little children, you abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. That's, you know, that's going to be the people that are scurrying. If you, It would almost be like, I remember as a kid, brushing my teeth for like a half hour before I went to the dentist because I, didn't, I had not brushed faithfully before then. Just to give you a sense of this, you know, before self-esteem was invented, when I was a child, the dentist said to me, how long have you had Irish teeth? Wow, that'll be, that's a good one. That's a good one. So it did spur me on to be a faithful brusher. But let me tell you, that half hour of brushing before I went to see him did nothing. So it's almost going to be like, if you can imagine some people get this sense of, hey, Jesus is here, he's coming back. We're going to be, tell him just a minute. You know, I want to I read. Lord, I was just reading your word. This is awesome that you came back then. That's not how it's going to be. He's going to come, he says, like a thief in the night. And some, and some people, I don't want to say some of you, I don't. But some people are going to be really embarrassed. God, I, I, never got, I never got around to that. Or you gave me a burden and I never acted on that. Or you prompted me and it was, I just so caught up. See, not everybody's getting an A. Or, or there's going to be people that'll be like this. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation, he said, Paul said, when I went around to churches and when I talked to people, I only built the foundation of Jesus. So whoever builds their life on Jesus, that's pretty much what he's saying with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work what you've done your work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done so you have those two things what work have you done for jesus and how did you do the work you did i mean if it was just work let me tell you i'm way ahead of you i'm good i can be confident because very few of you have done as much work for jesus as i have done just because I've been a pastor. But it's the quality of the work. It's did, hey, when you studied for that message, when you preached that message, were you leaning in for me to be the speaker or was it really you? Were you proud of what you were learning or were you anxious to share what you were learning? It's going to be how you did and, and what motivated you. So he says, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, the fire. He'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. There'll be people that genuinely were saved. They genuinely were trusting in Jesus as their Savior, but they really didn't do very much for him. There's going to be that kind of, of moment, very unlike Paul's, or just one other one, in Second Peter, Peter says he knows his time of departure is about to come. So he's just reminding people. And he gives them this list of things, but add to your faith just before these verses. Then he says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their own sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard, work hard. Work hard to prove that you're really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things, you'll never fall away. And then God will give you a grand entrance into the king, eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's kind of entrance it would be cool to have. A grand entrance. You know, have you been to those places where you go and you party or whatever it is you go to and, and somebody says, hey, Jeff Chandler's here. And hey, like that. This is saying, it's going to be one of those where they say, hey, everybody, Chandler's here. Chandler's here! And it's just the whole thing goes off. That's a rich welcome. I don't know what it is. It doesn't tell us what that is. That's how I picture it in heaven. Then you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom. Jeff Chandler is here! You know, yeah, Jeff Chandler. 
And of course, from what I know of scripture, Jeff Chandler's going to be on his face before Jesus, just being so thankful to even be there. So in that moment, but you want to have a confident end. I don't want there to be so much confidence and then for it to be shot. That's why we have 2 Timothy, to help us to get, to get ready to the place. Timothy didn't need this. He didn't need this letter. Wouldn't seem like it. But Paul just kept pushing him and pushing him because it's in all of us. It's in all of us to, to become unfaithful. It's, to become, it's in all of us to begin to slide and to miss this moment. See this moment? He says, henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And then if he didn't add anything after that, we would think, man, I, I have no hope of that because I'm no Paul. But not only to me, but also to those who have loved his appearing, to people who knew Jesus was coming and got ready for that and that just loved it when he showed up. So just that confident end, that follows a faithful life. You know, if we sum it all up, it's kind of be faithful so that you can be confident. What do you got to do? Just love Jesus. Love Jesus by obeying him. Grow in the word. Take opportunities to grow in the word on your own and, and with other people. Bring people to Jesus. That'd be, that's going to be one of the best parts of heaven is seeing people there and knowing you had, a, you had some role in that. Bring people to Jesus and build Jesus' church. He loves it so much he calls it his bride. We do those things and we will be faithful. So let's stand together and we pray. Yeah. Father, would you protect us right now from those defense things that go off in our minds and in our heart that, that I'm good, that I'm good, or that at some point I'll be able to do that, or start to tell you what's going on in our life that, that makes it hard right now. You know all things. Would you protect us from that and just give us the ability to hear from the Holy Spirit to affirm those of us that need to be affirmed that, that we're where we need to be, we're doing what we need to be, be doing that those would be affirmed. Protect them from the evil one. He's the accuser. He pours so much that's false on us. But Lord, speak clearly to those who need to grow. They need to grow in their faithfulness to you. They just need to live a faithful life, a life that's revolved around you, seeking first the kingdom of heaven and not trying to balance you in with everything else. Show them where that is. And Lord, lead people into ministry. I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for the different ministries that go on in this church. I'm so thankful for the ministry that takes place that in places that aren't organized. It's not kids' church or it's, it's not youth group. It's just random moments that you allow people. It's things that have been raised up like Christina's House or Route One or Hope for Kids. There's so many different places. Raise up ministry so that we can be busy for you in the place where you have created and designed us and grown us to be busy because we want a faithful end. We want to hear you say, well done, well done. And we want to celebrate together once we get there. So show that to us through this afternoon. We even pray over our picnic, Lord. The conversations would be there that you'd use just to trigger something that needs to be triggered within us. So... That's what we pray to your glory of your name. Amen. 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 Have a great week serving the Lord.